Welcome to the Let's Talk podcast from the University of Edinburgh, where we talk about life and all it may throw at you at university, focusing especially on our mental health. I'm Harriet Harris, the university chaplain, and today I'm joined by James Saville, director of HR, and we're talking about stress and burnout. In this episode, you'll hear about the experience of burnout, recognising the warning signs before it happens again, and emerging out the other side. How we manage our inner critic, whether we can accept praise, and how asking for help is not a weakness, but a strength. So James, it's really nice to be having this conversation with you this afternoon. Um, Would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, I've been here for about 18 months now, which is, can't work out whether that feels like a very short time or a very long time, but it's certainly been an interesting time. Does that depend what kind of a day you're having? <laughs> yes, probably an hour sometimes, but yes, yeah. it depends what time of day I'm having, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I'm thoroughly enjoying mm-hmm. it. Before that, I was at Department for International Development, um, looking at some of the stuff that we were trying to do to end global poverty, so that was, it's been quite an interesting shift. Very different context. Very different context, yeah. Um, yeah. but lots of the same sort of mm. very very bright people with big ambitions so and, and looking at global challenges and looking at global mm. challenges so, yeah. um, so very in some ways quite similar Did and you, trying to do something that's good and positive which yes. I think is also looking after right. people yeah. Yeah. yeah did you travel a lot in your um, previous job not as much as I would have liked right. um, but yes I yeah. mean you got to sort of some very very interesting places so mm. Kabul and Islamabad wow. and wow. various Malawi various other places like that so yeah mm. it's quite interesting and, you, and obviously as part of that you get to see some quite interesting and quite challenging situations mm. um, and we used to put a lot of effort as an organisation into things like resilience and supporting people um, so, for instance, we were leading on the response, British response to Ebola, in, um, uh, and that was quite hard yeah, and quite challenging. Hard. So we Absolutely. saw quite a lot of interesting things there. Um, and you have to, particularly somebody like me, you have to work on your own resilience and your own stress and burnout, but also you have, have to be very, very conscious about your own team and about the wider impact of, of the organisation that you're HR director of. And I think the same applies here. There's yeah. such a lot going on. We've got such a varied organisation. Um, lots and lots of people. We're the size of a small city. We are, uh, yeah. I always think. Even and quite a big city. <laughs> yeah, I think we're about as big as Perth, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, mm. and we're as complicated in some mm. ways. Uh, mm. If you think about it, we've got so many different groups of people with so many different backgrounds and different needs mm. that yeah it's 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 quite full on yeah so actually we'll i think we'll we'll want to come back to that question of how how we support ourselves so that <laughs> we can continue to be um helpful to others as well so i co- yeah so our topic today is stress and burnout and i've bought you a gift uh-huh. I like to be, you look nervous. It's not a trick. <laughs> I'm an HR director. Not, I'm not used yeah. to people giving oh, no, me gifts. No, no. <laughs> yeah. what, what is this strange like, concept? This is a book um, called Slow Journeys in the Same Direction. And it's, uh, it's, um, it's a doodling, colouring in book. Uh, it's actually by my colleague, Geoffrey Baines, who's associate yep. chaplain. And he has um, inscribed it for you. In fact, he has doodled it for you. Brilliant. On the inside. There we go. If you can find where he's... So yes, he's James, master doodler. thank you for your help. He's master doodler, isn't he? He's yeah. master doodler. <laughs> yeah. So that is for you. Thank to, you very much. Uh, relieve your stress. Um, we have one in... Um, can I hit somebody with it or is that not allowed? 
That's one way you could relieve your stress with it, yeah. The other way would be to colour it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, OK. Or, or read the nice little words that are thoughtful in amongst it. Wow, but uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll let Geoffrey know that you've thought of another way of using it to, <laughs> to bust stress. <laughs> um, James, what would you like to say about your experience of stress and or burnout? What, what familiarity do you have with these... Uh, experiences well i think I, I i i think it breaks into three as we said i mean obviously as the hr director of a very large organization and been working in this field for um, 30 years now you i've seen the way society is changing the way society is adjusting to a, a more public stance about mental health and i've mm. seen the way that people are becoming much more confident about speaking out about their needs or their personal experiences, which is fantastic. Um, I also, as we all do, I think, are seeing more and more prevalence of mental health issues of, mm. of all types. Um, and so, therefore, I think there's a lot more that we do need to do over the next few years. So I've got that interest in it. Mm. Then, obviously, I'm a line manager. Mm. So I have people with my own teams who are struggling and have struggled um, with a number of issues over a number of years so I have a responsibility to try and help them deal with that and then personally I've always suffered from anxiety led depression I think mm, okay. it's probably the best way to put it but certainly I have very loud very noisy inner voices um, and linked to that and to a whole load of other reasons about 10 years ago I had a, a fairly major burnout stress related burnout mm. that took me out for about eight months I was off work mm. um, so I personally experienced it as a major impact on me and my family Yeah, um, and I've had to rebuild from that as mm. a different person mm. I think okay. um, and so I think there's, there's something there I think as well That'd be so helpful to hear about that So are you happy for us to start with the personal then? Yeah, and then we can move out through yeah, to yeah, the line fine. management yeah, and then through absolutely. to your, yep. your kind of uh, you know HR responsible for the whole how the university responds to these things. So, so first of all, you said you have you have a, a sort of history of anxiety-led depression. So, so starting with that, but anxiety can lead into depression, can't it? Yes, it can, yeah. and mm. uh, and um, and I do have sort of cyclical depression periods. So there are times, I suppose, when I'm more susceptible. Okay. Um, and so, like a lot of people, I manage that in a combination of ways, and you get used to, or I get used to understanding what my early tripwires are or okay. under my, what my early signs are. Um, and I once likened it to running down a hill very fast. If I can catch myself before I go too quickly, then I can stop. If I can't, then to a certain extent, I just have to ride it out and run down the hill and slow down on the upside on the other, of the other okay. side of the hill. Uh, and if you're unfortunate on occasions, you, you topple over partway down and it hurts. Fall down in the gravel. Fall down the in the gravel at the bottom. Yeah, that's a really striking. That's a very powerful image. I'm glad you've used that because, yeah, I mean, you could because we can all imagine that. You know, yeah, you, you you're hurtling down. You're hurtling down. Your mm. steps are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a point at which either you can control it and do something about it, which is why, you know, I talk about trip wires, which is something that one of my coaches, in concept, introduced me to a few years ago. Um, which is that early sign, early warning sign, really, that says, oh, okay, well, if, you, if you capture this now, you might be able to do something about it. Mm. Uh, but if not, then the strides do get bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually, 
you know, you can't do anything about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Are, are you? What would be the sorts of tr- things that you would notice as you go down the hill? You have to say what kinds of things. Would yeah. Be warning um, signs for yourself? Well, my my team and and my boss will um, either grimace or grin at this, but once procrastination. Yeah. Um, so the point, various things about if I if I'm fending something off or not doing mm. it, not starting on something, sometimes that's just because I'm normal human being. Other times it's because I just can't engage with it, or okay. I'm just using it almost as a for me the mental equivalent of a self-flagellation thing. Right. Um, right. You know, until it becomes almost at the point of failure. Um, so I have to capture that one because obviously given my job and my responsibilities mm. for people and for other things, that's not exactly helpful to anybody. Um, but also it's wearing. Um, mm. I talked about the voices a minute ago. I have very, very loud inner voices. Mm. Um, they can on occasion sound like a Greek chorus and it's never a comedy. No. So that can be very... Um, hard. And there's something there about the the level that they're shouting at me at. So when that gets louder? When that gets louder, then that's usually a sign that something's not right. And I, as part of my sort of healing, always sounds a bit grandiose, but it's me getting better. I I did work out that I am one of those people where healthy body, healthy mind bit. Mm. So it's a curious paradox for me that I can almost tell that I'm starting to struggle when I'm avoiding exercise. When exercise is exactly one of the things that I need yeah. to keep me fit. So my wife will often say, have you been for a bike ride recently? Have you, when did you last go for a run? And actually that's a euphemism for you being a pain or actually there's a problem. Um, right. There are various other signs as we, well. We need, we need you to go out of the house and yeah, burn you up need some energy. To, you to, yeah, you need mm. to. You better. Mm. Uh, and I have, again, I have various nervous tics. Mm. Um, so I can usually spot with those. So you can feel physically? Physically I can yeah. feel, or there's a, one of my breathing ones is one that's a, a very bad sign, so my wife will always say to me, okay, now we know we've got a problem because your breathing's gone like it did the other year, um, would it which be, is intriguing. Would, would it be more shallow breathing? or um, Shallow panty and mm. an odd sort of broken rhythm to it. It's almost right. quite difficult to describe, but it almost becomes quite a, an odd breathing sensation. You know, mm. It's like a forced half breath in the middle of it. Um which is it's one of those things that think, okay, yeah, that's an anxiety yeah. element. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's so helpful to know yourself physically, isn't it? And to for your because your body does tell you things, doesn't it? And it, it is good to to be able to tune into that and hear what it's saying. Yeah, I think so. I think it is. I mean, you have to be. It's a difficult balance because you could get very. You've, I could. I can say. I, I could get very, very paranoid very, very easily about the. What's that? What's that? What's that? Oh, and sometimes anxious about what yeah, your anxious doing, about right? your body's doing, or anxious about what your mind's doing. And sometimes actually you're just having a bad day, and I have to remember and say to myself sometimes, actually no, you're not being anything other than perfectly normally anxious about that. You yes. know, that is a major deadline. Mm. That is an important thing. That's a that is a difficult situation. So it's a perfectly legitimate feel to have some adrenaline flowing through you at the moment, and it's trying to differentiate between what's that normal adrenaline that we all need to be able to perform optimally versus when that's gone out of kilter. Um, That's right, because we don't always remember to say that anxiety is um, a proper normal response to a lot of situations, such as meeting a deadline, that anxiety is there for preparedness, isn't it? It's to get us ready for the things we need to be able to Yeah, I remember being on a 
something a long time ago. It was one of those management courses uh, when organisations used to have lots of money where they would send you for a week and they would spend the first two days breaking you apart and the next three days building you back up. And there's there's always a point where you get to choose whether to commit fully mm. to the experience. And I always used to find that incredibly stressful. Um, and then you always invariably did take the plunge mm. and never regret taking the plunge because it's that again it's that adrenaline thing mm. that adrenaline it's quite interesting because the physical manifestations of adrenaline are often the same you know the the sort of the blotchy red or the sweaty palms or the heart rate and the breathing whether you are afraid of something or excited by something yes, and often yes. it's how the mind responds is, is how you then deal with it so it's all it's, it's trying to recognize that mm. um i think for me one of the challenges is that whenever i do anything uh, psychometric tests or anything i always come out as somebody who's got a pretty good sense or self-awareness coupled with a very highly critical and very low sense of self-worth so you right. put those two things together and that can be quite challenging under certain circumstances so you're so. saying to yourself i know exactly what the problem is or i, I can see those wild horses charging at me yeah and right. and, the, and yes yes because i mean we you know as uh, human beings learn we learn from a very young age how to um make comparisons and judgments and then we apply that to ourselves don't we yeah absolutely we, we you know that that judgment's going to come and hit us as well and we need to work out how to manage that. So you used some very very powerful images um, when you were talking about the triggers as you're hurtling down the hill. And you talked about sometimes it's it's as bad as self-flagellation, so that's really sort of beating yourself up. And then the, the, the Greek chorus, when the Greek chorus gets very loud, yeah. the sort of critical inner voice. Um, so those, um, I mean, thank you for using those images because that give us, gives us a sense of the power uh, of what can be happening internally. Um, and uh, that, that, that those are very strong, you know. Um, so I wonder how you how you speak. Do you ever speak back to your inner voice or your inner voices, the Greek chorus? Do, do you ever say things back to it? Um, um, I don't know whether I do. Actually, I've never really thought about that. I I do try to push them away because I've I've usually found that that listening to them is a bad move and it's part of that procrastination is usually when I'm fighting the voices mm. um, and then once you actually actively take on once for me it's when I, I actively take control of the situation something tends to improve mm. so either ignoring the voices and taking that first step um, or actively working out what's causing the voices so getting behind the presenting problem almost mm. in management speak terms and working out what the root cause is and then going ah oh, it's over there right so i need to mm. do something about that then uh, and trying to work that out so what i've tried to learn to do is to use the voices themselves as one of my um, tripwires one of my early warning signs mm. so if they're starting to get noisy again then something's going out of equilibrium mm. um and it's that that's how that does help because for a number of years now I've only had two or three instances in the last few years where I've got perhaps quite close again to a that burnout phase where mm. everything's just got too much mm. um, and for me that's 
different just from being too busy or over busy. Mm. It's it's. Um, I've never been very good at not letting things take chips out of me or people take chips out of me. So if I'm trying to help other people, support people, teams, or trying to achieve change or anything like that, then I, I, I'm not very good at avoiding committing too much of myself to that. So you give yourself to it. Yeah. And uh, then do you feel vulnerable? Yeah, and you get depleted. You get depleted. Um, yeah. So... Okay. Um, oh. So I, I, I think that can, it's when you get, so for me, when I get depleted on too many fronts mm. at the same time, um, and yeah, I suppose if you're thinking about it in other ways, it's the point at which you're debiting the bank, mm. but not crediting the bank. Yeah. So it's that, it's trying to keep those things in. Um, and it can be quite hard because yeah. you know, inevitably, and certainly if we talk about Edinburgh University, we're trying to do a huge amount on a, on a lot of fronts at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that makes that means we're very, very busy. That means our teams are all very, very busy. It means individuals are, we've got lots of different challenges and, and different pressures and 50,000 people, mm -hmm. um, if you add yeah. in all the students and staff, all of whom are human. Yeah. Um, and that can, from where I sit, sometimes be quite depleting because yeah. um, I I can find myself being sucked into a load of the the end, quite the end point of a lot of difficult situations, um, just inevitably. I mean, it goes to the territory, and if I haven't got sufficient of the good stuff mm. to counterbalance that, so mm. the credits to go into the then I can get depleted because I'm I give. Yeah, I, I give bits of me away. You give a lot, yeah, yeah. So replenish, replenish, replenish. <laughs> replenish. I, yeah. That's something I would Constant always needs. say. Yeah. That's something I would always yeah. say to people: if yeah. you can find a way, know what it is that replenishes you. Yeah. I had a fantastic week last week, um, I, because it was um, welcome week, mm. and it was wonderful just to be around and about um, the centre and see lots of excited few quite worried looking but yeah. happy people but yeah, and there was and it felt like the university was coming alive again and this week with everybody back it's exactly the same it feels fantastic and I was in meetings in old college this morning and walking in and seeing suddenly the quad in old college full of people where rather than over the summer where there are a handful it's great yeah. and that reminds you or reminds me why I'm here why what we're trying to do and I get the same sort of buzz out of seeing an announcement in, in the press or on LinkedIn or on Facebook about some discovery that we've made or an individual professor has made or a team have made or being in the news for good reasons because mm -hmm. it allows me to connect back with what we're about as an institution. Yeah. I used to find that um, when I worked for Diffin. I think that was one of the reasons I moved out of the private sector 10 years ago, I suppose now, was that I'd lost that link to something that really mattered to me. And I think when I was ill, um, as part of my coming back and healing, that was what I realised was I needed, I, I suppose I needed to feel valued. I needed mm. to feel that I was contributing to something meaningful. Yeah, needing to find me. Yeah, and actually when we can't find the meaning in our work, um, that is a kind of, it's a kind of suffering actually, isn't it? Not to be able to find the meaningfulness 
in your work. It's very draining to be yeah, plugging so. away at something that doesn't feel meaningful. Yeah, and I and I so I, I do think yeah. it's something that I'm trying to work with um, my team on because if you're working in human resources and you're working, you can be quite a long way from, in some organisations, from that good stuff and okay so recruiting new people is is great and and there's a lot of positive things that we get involved in learning development or or a whole range of things but equally there are some difficult things and a lot of people have major concerns uh, or big problems that they need help with Uh, and and if you have too many of those as a team or as a smaller or as an individual within a team, then again, you could get depleted. So I, I do think it's important for teams like that to get out and about and, and remind themselves of how they connect and how we all connect with, I hate the phrase, the greater great good, but that's, it no, is but that it, sense. Well, yeah, yeah. It is, and it's the bigger picture, isn't it? It so, is, yeah. Yeah, the bigger picture always helps us to reframe yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the I think problem, right. doesn't it, actually? Yeah, we, and we, it is one of my problem-solving yeah. techniques, is, to try, mm. is that I always try and go upwards, not downwards. So if you think about because a lot of people when they're trying to solve problems and a lot of and I think a lot of issues between individuals or between groups are when people get so down in the weeds mm. and they get so so you know sort of it's easy to find something to pick a fault with whereas if you come back up and go abo- upwards and say well what are the principles what are we trying to achieve what are we trying where are we going to trying to go over the next few years and what do we actually agree on mm. then actually quite a lot of the time you suddenly discover that there's a lot that we agree on and I think that can be hugely helpful yeah. certainly helps me yeah. try and make sense of things we can do it in in um, small but but completely crippling ways in our personal lives as well can't we we can we can get fixated on you know I said I would I said I'd, I'd prepare a meal for my friend who's who's partners in hospital or whatever it is and ha, hang on how can I do that when I'm working late tonight and I've got to do whatever with the family and uh, you know and actually um, the bigger picture is that you be you're a good friend to your friend <laughs> not that you produce a meal you know and and i think sometimes we can run ourselves and i think we're more likely to run ourselves into a sort of burnout scenario when when we're busy anyway because when you're busy anyway you haven't taken a step back and and taken the breathing space and and thought a bit more creatively about hang on what what is it that's really important here we've just put ourselves on this kind of treadmill of got to get this done got to get that done got to get and we've stopped seeing a bigger picture and we've stopped uh, connecting I think that's absolutely right and I um and it you're right it can be really little I mean I didn't go for a bike ride at the weekend should have done was beating myself up about that a bit but actually I've been for a run the previous day which and I've you know I've, I've had a bit of a calf injury really recently so I've been able to so actually rather than being positive with myself that I'd actually been out for a run mm. now that that was healed and getting back yeah. and that maybe my body was trying to tell me something yeah that it that it wanted a rest. That was enough. That was enough. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. You know, <laughs> old knees. Um, there was I trying to beat myself up about the fact that I hadn't been for a run. Well, mm. sorry for a bike ride. So mm. that, that's a bit daft, really. Yeah. So you, you get into that. And I remember talking to somebody who was um, beating themselves up because they'd only been for uh, a 10 mile run rather than a 12 mile run oh, that weekend. And you're thinking, mm. <laughs> That's 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 not really necessarily a problem. They were just, and they weren't. wasn't that they were training for anything. It was just that they were beating themselves rather than 
satisfying being congratulating themselves that they've just done 10 miles. We're very quick to criticise ourselves, yeah, aren't we? I think we are. Yeah, and I, I find this concept of the, the inner critic or those sort of voices that, that hammer away at us so interesting because one of the things I'm interested in is is whether we can coach our inner critic because in some ways, you know, the inner voices, I think they're trying to be friends to us. I think they're trying to say, we're going to make you fall down before someone else makes you fall down because... We want to protect you because I mean it is a part of us. Is our inner voice is a part of us, and it's it's a part of us that doesn't want somebody else to catch us out. So we catch ourselves out before anyone else can be allowed to. Um, so from that point of view, they have got our, it, our inner critic does have our interests at heart, but just can go about it in a very bullying way. You know, I think so. Mine can be, um, as I said before, they can be quite they can be very very loud and quite negative. And I, but I, I think you're right. There is a, but I think there's. I've not really thought about it in that sense before, but I think maybe they are trying to help me on occasions because they are trying to say, whoa, hang on, there's a problem over here. Mm. Um, I think what I've had to learn to do is to look past the the actual words that mm. they're, they're shouting at me to get to the fact that, well, if they're shouting at me in the first place, there's probably a reason for it, and what's that reason? Mm. Yeah, um, that's it. The, word, the words can be really words, flawed and misguided. Words, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and yeah. I think it's the, I mean, it's the chimp paradox. If you've yeah, ever read that, it's, yeah. it's a great. Book. I haven't read it, but I know it's. The, I like the term actually. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a great book. Mm. But it and it, I, and I, it is that. I always think though that you can go back to something like Jiminy Cricket. You, there is, that's you nice. Know, yeah. You know, there is. Yeah. There's something you can equally. They can equally be helpful to you and positive to yeah, you. Yeah, I think that and to I make think, friends with it. I think. Yes, I think that's yeah. that's is, yeah. is trying to recognise that. Yeah, it is. It is a fundamental part of you. Mm. Um, but, uh, I mean, I suppose it's you know the other thing is the Philip Pullman books, you know, and it's the the Vulcan, oh, the, 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 the demons, the demons. The, yeah. And yeah. I think it's I was it's, it's that it's actually it, I'd love to find a way that I was sufficiently in tune with my voices so they were a demon rather than um, <laughs> a chimp. So, so you could say what what is it what is it that you're worried about? So uh, something I think when when I think sometimes about the externalising of an inner critic because sometimes we internalise a, a sort of parental voice and I think of an awful case. I don't know if you remember it on the news. It could have been five years. I have, my sense of time is is not strong, but I I remember a case that was heartbreaking. It was on the national news, and it was of a a soldier had returned from a tour and had discovered that had discovered videos of his little toddler boy being beaten up by his mum. I don't know if you remember this. And and the the, the mum kept uh, the mum and and grandmum I think kept pushing the boy down and shouting and saying get up don't cry and the boy was was crying and saying get up don't cry don't be a sissy don't be a baby and of course it was very distressing and the father came home from his tour and was really upset by this and and that that ended up you know the, the 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 mother lost her her sort of rights to be able to to parent the the little boy but but her what she said was i was i i, I was trying to teach him how to stand up to bullies so she bullied him essentially to stop him uh, to, in order to teach him to stand up for bullies. And I think often the inner voice is like that. It's very frightened for us. And so it goes about it in a really harsh and distorted way. And you think that's not the way to teach it. But nonetheless, there was a there was an intention behind it. Um, and if the mother had learned a different way of helping him to stand up for bullies, that might have worked. <laughs> yeah, so, I think yeah. that, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, got a horrible story. It's such, a, I, it's it's such so a heartbreaking sad. story. Yeah. It is very, very sad. Yeah. But I, and yeah. I, I think that's, it is an interesting one because I do think that that sort of unforeseen consequence that you can have on occasions of, you know, because you want to be listened to, heard, understood, respected for who you are or what you are, 
on occasions you can forget the impact that has on others around you. Mm. So I do think there's something in for me, and I was I, I, mean, I don't get it right all the time by any stretch of the imagination, but trying to remember that other opinion, people have an, a, a right to an opinion too, or a right mm. to a position, and that if I want to be listened to, then it's incumbent on me to hear. Mm. Um, and I, I worry. I do worry a bit as a society we're losing that um, because of that sort of polarising social media and it becoming very easy to pile in behind and criti- be critical of everything. Mm. Um, and I just wish maybe it's our own in the voices. Maybe I just wish we could be kinder to each other on occasion. Yes, yeah. Sounds a bit soppy, but I think no. But I th- wouldn't, is, wouldn't the world be some... better though if we yeah well, if we yeah. could all be? Could you tell us a little bit more about? Um, about the experience of burnout and what that felt, what happened, what happened physically and emotionally, and and then it would be really interesting to hear about coming back from that. I think that'd be so helpful. Um, well, mentally, I cease to operate. Mm. Um, one of my skill sets, if I have them, is usually is the ability to see strands, link things together, see things that perhaps other people haven't. Um, pull that all together and, and then propose a direction and I actually cease to be able to think mm. um, and that culminated in one particular meeting of my peer group and we were trying to tackle quite a meaty issue as it was then but it was something that was well within my capability and something I'd done several times before and I actually couldn't think couldn't couldn't do it. I just mm. literally couldn't knot these things together. Couldn't even f- work out a way through, which was the point at which everything had turned from um, starting to becoming an issue actually to being full blown burnout. Because mm. um, at that point, I just couldn't operate. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you at work at the time yeah, when you I was noticed at work. that? Yeah, yeah, was at, um, and this had been coming on for a while. Um, for a whole host of reasons, and you know, not all of them were related. In fact, probably most of them not were related. But it was that it was that sort of cauldron of stuff all mm. happening together that mm. just you know, it was a. You'd probably been carrying on for years. Pushing, I'd cer- pushing well, I'd certainly through. been carrying on for about eighteen months, mm. and the, I'd had. Um, some domestic really you know quite sad domestic situations which i'd had to deal with on behalf of the family um and then i'd come th- my work then had been tremendous so i'd felt duty bound to come straight back in right. rather than grieving or looking after myself then i as well as my job i took on somebody else's job because they were ill and we had a whole range of others stuff and all that was on the back of a, a very very major transformation project that I'd been leading and I was depleted mm. but I didn't realise that no. and then eventually the body just went whoa stop mm. bang mm. and that was it uh, and as soon as I stopped um, which I had to because I couldn't think I couldn't operate I couldn't lead people I couldn't I couldn't go into the building I was having full-on panic attacks even right. just sort of thinking right. about going to work mm. and as soon as I stopped then my body just shut down Mm. So that was the full-on classic, couldn't get out of bed, um, couldn't make decisions, mm. couldn't walk to the end of the road, the whole lot. Mm. Um, and did all that happen quite quickly once you, yes. once the, the sort of cognitive yeah. the executive function went, then everything yeah. else followed? everything else followed mm. very, very rapidly. But yeah. it was almost like my body was going, thank God for that, 
Yeah. You've stopped. Mm. Now we can do something. So it was almost as if it was you know, taking the jigsaw apart before you could build, rebuild it. Yeah. Before you put the, yeah. the bits back in together again. And how quickly did you see it that way? Did you did you see it that way? Sort of. Do you think your body was relieved quite quickly, or did it take a while to to interpret it in that positive way? Uh, it took me. It took me a while to interpret it positively. Um, a long while. Mm. Um, I did reach a point eventually, after I'd gone back, I was off for about eight months, I think, maybe slightly less. sort of quite a good gestation period, that. I yeah, think. it was, mm. and it was, um, but for the first bit of that, you know, you sort of doing that classic, oh, I'll be back in a fortnight, I'll be back mm. in a fortnight, and the GP mm. was just laughing at me. Um, and then, you know, and I was resisting medication and all of those sort of mm. things. I was just doing all the usual things that, that um, people do. And it's like a lot of people, I think, I'd been a reasonably reasonably high achiever so I wasn't used to Mm. things not working or not used to being able not to manage my own destiny that was not being in control of myself Mm. I think was that frightening yeah it was very frightening because you don't quite understand what's happening Um, puts huge pressure on your on your partner or Mm. on your family I mean my Mm. wife was amazing and they're waiting for an exp- they're waiting for understanding to dawn, aren't they? Yeah, and, and they and, and we all are waiting. And nobody yeah. supports those. I mean, it's like I mean, something in with work, isn't it? I mean, it's who who looks after the people who are doing the caring or the looking after because mm. they people like in any of those situations when you could look at managers in work trying to support people in their team with problems who's supporting the manager or people mm. like yourself or people I always think of clinicians and various other bits mm. or um, our guidance services and our counselling services who looks after the counsellors yeah. it's really hard yeah. but I think it's the same with the the people that you don't see so do, who does look after in this instance it was my wife or mm. whatever because the burden that she was carrying at that point was massive because mm. uh, none of us knew what, what was in a sense what was going on yeah. and you just have to I think time helped me rest stopping helped me um, eventually fresh air and exercise I think actually listening to people helped me and I think yeah, this might sound a bit daft but actually not deflecting praise Ooh, helped me that doesn't sound daft at all that sounds really important well it's 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 something I don't think we do very well mm. I don't know whether it's a British right. trait mm. but I think we right. we all get very good at yeah well or just and sort of trying to let it go by or making a, a joke about it. But actually um, accepting that there are things that you were good at, that people thought you were good at, and that what they were telling you about was was quite important to me. Mm. Uh, and I and, it, and I realised that it was. So I, I do try and let it in. I'm not brilliant at it, but I do try and let it in these days. Um, and I get massive positive when people say good things about my team or when my team do good good stuff and so I, you can I love really that. That feel reflect. that building yeah that's yeah that's true. that's building one of yeah. yeah i can really feel mm. that that building me up it's that the difference between having um uh it's almost i always try and like describe it to people like it's the difference if depending on when i'm on good form or bad form it's the difference between having almost like a black sea anemone inside mm. me the okay. spiny black mm. thing or I mean, I, it sounds about completely ridiculous, but almost like a, a bright orange couche ball, like a, mm. a sun-coloured couche ball that's nice and soft and fluffy and tendrils. Mm. And those are the two extremes for me. Okay. Um, and it's anything that feeds feeds the 
the sunny orange um is is is, is great so i suppose in another way it's the, i i always think um, jk rowling's an absolute star but it's mm. the difference between the patronus and the dementor yeah you know so yeah. what sucks life out of yes. you and what gives energy to you and to others so yeah. it's how do you feed your patronus i think yes for me yeah um yeah. and I, it's things like that do positive feedback about the team seeing people doing good things catching people doing things right physical exercise but you find it harder to receive good feedback for yourself than you do for your team of course yeah i'm okay. human <laughs> okay. Well, at some time, it is nice to learn how to and to feel to be able to give yourself permission to hear good feedback, isn't it? So, so if I said to you, um, and I would say this, this is completely genuine, James. Everything you're saying this afternoon is so helpful, um, and it's really going to help a lot of people. And you know, I really admire the way you're able to talk about it, be so articulate about it, and the images you've chosen. Is, is that hard? Yeah, it is a bit. It it's, is, it's, yeah. it's nice though. It does. It does, it does. work, and it, and I yeah. think that actually, I think, I think what I've tried to learn is, which what I was trying to do then is just actually to look at you when you're saying that, mm. and actually just accept it, it. Nice. not not to look away and not to 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 brush it off. Because actually, I don't think you. I don't think I'm being fair to you if you're if you're making the effort to do that if I'm dismissing it so actually there is an element both ways but it does help me yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be um, you know life I'd say it didn't but I think um, I think the other thing that helped me was when I realised that I wasn't alone that there were people who genuinely wanted to help me mm. um, and that goes into all situations you know it's that I used to be one of those people. I'm a slight introvert mm. um, in terms of you know sort of where do I take my energy from mm. um, and how I respond to that. Um, I hide it quite well, which is quite tiring. Do you feel it's a bad thing to be an introvert? No, it's I just quite I, a strong thing. I think I think it's a great thing. I mean, I'm very happy that I'm introverted mm. in many ways, but it does mean that that certain situations are slightly harder for me. Yes, draining. Uh, um, and a lot of those situations. I sometimes have to get involved in as part of my job yes. um, and I have a role to play sometimes and that so that can be so I have to work out where I'm going to get my energy from to rebuild or to make sure I've got energy going into those situations yeah. so you need to know that so that you can then go withdraw yes. be, be on your own to plug yourself in to re, yeah. re, you know, yeah. recharge and actually recognising yeah. that that's not a weakness it's a strength because yes. it's just enabling me to be the best that I can be when I'm there that's right um is was a useful tr skill to learn and a mm. useful realization that I, I did need that but actually realizing there were a lot of people out there that had my back when I was ill Isn't my, that nice? my yeah. boss at the time was just absolutely fantastic mm. and the my peer group and the people who worked for me and other senior managers in the organization I was in at the time were absolutely tremendous and I I I commented about that at some point and and somebody it was a brilliant line but they just said but why wouldn't we be oh and I thought nice. that was so nice yeah but then you realize that's true of everybody mm. I don't think within this organization there are there is anybody who sets out to do a bad job no. sets out to trip people up no. sets out to be nasty to other people no. deliberately I I just don't buy it mm. um, I think those people are very few and far mm -hmm. between um, and Therefore, that means there are a lot of people out there trying to help other people, trying to look for the good, mm. 
Uh, and I think the more that we do that, the better it is. It certainly works yeah. for me. And sometimes we can help people to help us as well. Can't we? So being able to receive is, is one way of helping people to help. Because most people want to be helpful, don't they? And it, it feels good to be helpful. And if you see an area that needs help, you like to be able to be useful in that. You? You know, I think that's very true. I mean, yeah. I, And again, I mean, I started to do a whole range of um, things after I started to get better. I started, I, it gave, and what it did do for me was give me a fantastic opportunity to think about me um quite selfishly i suppose but who i was who i wanted to be what i was good at what mattered to me mm. and i realized that i at the time w was probably in the wrong job or the wrong sector of the economy um and that i'd lost sight of a, of a few things so silly little things so I started to give blood I'd always said I wanted to give blood and I'd always been too busy well, you can't be too busy until you're 40 something can you and it's just ridiculous so that just meant I wasn't prioritizing it so mm. I started giving blood on a very regular basis and I, I just get so much satisfaction out of that silly little thing really but no, I get so much out of that it's a life-saving thing isn't it yeah. so it's really significant yeah. I stopped I start I, I didn't stop putting money into um you know, charity boxes and things like that. But I started to think about what was I good at and what could I do? So I started um, doing some free consultancy work for the Edinburgh Chamber of Commerce with startups and small businesses who couldn't get access to that, working on the principle that if a startup could employ two or three more people, then that was adding value mm. to Edinburgh in a way that I wasn't just by putting 50p or a pound or five pounds into a into a tin somewhere right. um, so that was something real and tangible mm. that I could do and I, I got involved, um, involved through that actually with a, a drugs charity and then in the last few years with the Scottish Book Trust and again feeling that you were actively contributing to something for me really mattered so again it's just it's it doesn't matter what it is but I will always say to people really find what matters to you and then think about whether there's anything that you can or are prepared to or want to do for that because I get so much satisfaction and personal growth sounds over the top but no I don't get any personal no, growth out growth, of those sorts of things yeah, yeah. and it's con so consciously and intentionally giving yes. money so rather than just thinking oh, I'll, yeah. put, I'll see well, there's a pot I'll put yeah. whatever in it's time because mm. you know me giving time mm. is something I don't have in massive supply so for me that's a greater commitment because you know I'm in a mm. salaried job I'm a senior manager so I, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a good salary um it's very good salary compared with you know a lot of people so which i'm uh, it, it's putting money in those things i mm. do but it's a sort of the easy cop out for me actually investing time means it's real for me therefore okay. it matters yes um yeah. and that's important to me yeah and so then you're connecting you're investing yourself you're connecting with yes. it and then the connection's there yeah and you're feeling alive yeah and yeah yeah i yeah. think that's that's right yeah yeah, that was really powerful. I had quite a similar experience to you. Um, I burnt out and was would needed to be off work for nine months or more. Um, and the way it manifested with me was that it was it was physical at first. So um, I, it was shortly after my mum had died, but not immediately. And we'd had all sorts of things going on, um, kind of in the extended family that were quite quite difficult 
in the period prior to that. But I would also say that probably for about 15 years, <laughs> I'd just been doing too much. And I'd, and I just thought, well, I can. Yeah, but I can. I've got lots of energy. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Um, and what happened was I could feel the muscles down the backs of my legs getting tighter. And I thought, that's really weird. I need to stretch. It was down, down the sort of, um, what, the Achilles mm. on both. And uh, so I decided to go for a run. <laughs> as you do, to stretch them out and realised I didn't have much energy for the run. And then my ankle swelled up and up and up until I couldn't walk. And and I literally couldn't get into work because I couldn't walk. Um, and I went to, when I when when the joints had loosened up a bit more, I went to the doctors and they ran all these tests on, you know, organ failure and things, which I didn't think I had because I didn't feel, I actually really didn't feel particularly ill. I just had swollen ankles. But it took weeks and weeks um, First of all, it took a very long time for the inflammation to go down. And now I think, well, that was stress-related inflammation, but I didn't even have a concept of that at the time. And like you, I was in this cycle of, well, actually, the doctors weren't laughing because the doctors thought there was clearly a physical manifestation. So they weren't thinking, ha-ha, you think you can be back in work in two weeks. They were thinking, this might be done in two weeks. So I was getting these two weekly sick notes and I wasn't getting any better. And it took me a long time to think, actually, I think I'm burned out. (laughs) It um, uh, but I did. I needed a long time, and in the meantime, I was going around all these these different medical specialists um, for rheumatoid arthritis and MS and neurology, all of which then then makes you anxious about your health. Yeah, health anxiety is a whole thing. It can kick in quite quickly, can't it? Well, you then start. Yeah. It's that classic, isn't it? You sort of pressing everything and thinking that hurts, that hurts, that yeah. hurts, and then realizing that it's your finger that hurts. Yeah. And it's that you 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 do start to second guess everything. Mm. But I, I that really resonates because when you're in that first phase, or when I was in that first phase, and the note, the the doctor's giving you the fortnightly sick notes while they try mm. and work stuff through. You you I did get that sense of, well, I'll be back in a couple of weeks and I'll be back. All Mm. I need to do is rest and I'll be Mm. okay. And then it was when I went back and we went through a load of things and she, she, I think it was, she gave me a two-month sync note. And I said, what's this? And she said, you're not going back to work for at least two months because you're not well enough Mm. and you're not going to be and you need to stop and you need to work. And it was that sudden realisation that this was more serious than I thought it was. That that really took me aback, because then you had to engage with it differently somehow. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't a cold that you were just going to get better from. It was something you actually had to do something about. And I think that was the best thing she ever did. Yeah. Because in a sense, that gave me permission to be ill. Yes. yes. I don't know whether that sounds daft, but it was permission to be ill. Permission, therefore, actively to think and do whatever it was I was going to need to do to get better mm. rather than just the Alka-Seltzer solution of Plink Plink Fizz and right. I'll feel better in the morning. Um, and that then led to me engaging completely differently. And I was, I'd, I mean, GPs are wonderful people, but she was particularly good in what she, she found or suggested that a whole range of things, some of it self-help, Living Life to the Full, one of the websites, mm. which I yeah. found really useful. Mm. Um, she suggested that there was a, um, an organisation down Leith Walk who do um, talking counselling, talking, which I engaged with when I was feeling a bit stronger. And at first I found very, very difficult because it was that talking about myself yeah. because that was when I was going through that. This shouldn't happen to me. I'm 
you know, professional like senior manager, manager, yeah. manager mm. I'm da 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 da. But that was quite useful because there was no no right or wrong. Mm. It went where it went. We talked about what was right, and then that led on to the whole gamut of everything the um, national health and others could throw at me the, over right. the next two months, which was which was really useful in the long run. So, having had that sort of straight talk from the doctor, it opened up possibilities. Yeah, then it did, and yeah. I think also the that's where I come back to my boss having been so so amazing, which is one of the things I tried to learn from and and do with with because she in a nice way, called it out, right. you know, in the sense that she said, you're not yourself, something's happened, you're not delivering, mm. you know, I need you to deliver, the team needs you to deliver, there are problems, there are issues, and it can't go on. Okay. So what are we going to do about it? Mm. And then, so we, we talked about various things, we tried various things, and then, say we had this meeting, she wasn't actually at, but where we where the whole thing, I just sort of sat there and realised that I was just not going to be able to operate, couldn't okay. operate, and I had mm. to stop and effectively went out of the meeting and rang her and said, help, we need to talk. Yeah. Um, but for the fact that she actually fronted me up with it and mm. and didn't, she didn't soft soap it in any way. No. It was, uh, this isn't you. Mm. But that was also useful because she wasn't, stigmatizing me no. you're useless you've gone whatever it was i'm seeing a difference here mm. that difference is having an impact on you and on the team and on our delivery which isn't sustainable therefore and those two things are so we need to fix this because we have to deliver what we have to deliver mm. and we need you healthy mm. and so what help do you need mm. so having been quite in a sense, quite hard in that assessment. Mm. On one sense, she was then really soft, wrong word, accommodating, supportive, massively supporting mm. through the next few period. And she completely differentiated between her trust in me as an individual and as a professional and what was happening to me. Right, that's so helpful. And yeah. it was hugely yeah, helpful absolutely. because in those circumstances, and I'm, this was, and I think we're getting better as as, as a society and hopefully as an organisation at this these days. But it is that classic of the invisible illness. Yeah. You know, to yeah. all intents and purposes, apart from the fact that I was overweight and not exercising properly, I didn't look ill. No. Um, no. But. And so you couldn't tell from the outside no. that there was this per But, I mean, I got to the point where I, my son wasn't very old, probably six or seven at the time, um, and he had a toy that was broken that needed to go back to the shop. And I couldn't, physically couldn't. I could see the assistant standing behind the counter in the shop, and I couldn't go into the shop right. to change a child's toy. Right. And you that you sort of sitting there, standing there, thinking, "This is patently ridiculous." Mm, okay. The fact that I can't do this tells me there is something seriously wrong, mm -hmm. and that helped because yeah. then there's that realization that yeah, this isn't normal. So and there's both so, so both you recognizing it, but also having some other people. So, so your GP was yeah. able to say something, and your and my your boss, boss was. was able and to I say think, something. And I think I think that that really helped. And also yeah. then, of course, you find it was interesting though when I did get back, 
was because after a while I got quite frustrated by the fact that I felt I was being um, get sort of bubble wrapped. Oh, right. Yeah, because every mm. every time we were looking at things, somebody would say to me, "Are you going to be all right taking this on? Are you how do you feel about?" tackling this project mm. do you want to do this mm. and you're sitting there thinking yes because mm. I wanted to prove to myself and to others but particularly to myself that I could still do what I used to do and could still operate at, mm. a, at a senior level in fact in the end I mean situations changed and circumstances changed but they gave me an opportunity and I went and ran my own business for a few years mm. and I did that completely deliberately because that meant that one I got to get the business so I got to convince somebody that I was the answer to their problem for a mm. while mm. and that I had something to sell. And But also it meant that I was operating in environments where people didn't know me. Right, okay. So what, they was, what I was doing was proving to myself I could operate in environments where people didn't know the history. Mm. Um, and that worked very, very well. That worked well. For, yes. a, for a while. Okay. Until I decided that I didn't enjoy um, not seeing things through to a, a conclusion. Okay. Right. And do you, do you prefer being in a, a, a more institutional setting, in a sort of community setting, or, or? I. There's <laughs> a big question. Mm. Um, I, I, I enjoy being part of the whole. Big. It's why I joined HR in the first place was mm. because I wanted to be involved in all aspects of a business or of an organisation and. You can't get more central than the people within an organisation and trying to help them be the best that they can be, both as individuals but also on behalf of the organisation and making the organisation better. Because we don't have a strong organisation, then nobody has a job. So mm. it's it's that mm. it's that that cycle is is, is quite compelling to me. Mm. Um, but I and therefore, what I, when I was working for myself or helping organisations sort things out, you were invariably going in, helping them identify a problem, helping them come to a solution, and then to a certain extent implementing. But usually my role was then to build a team to implement it and sort it out and then move on. Oh, so I was okay. moving on before we oh, had delivered it. Right. And what I quite like, realised I quite like, is seeing the cycle through. Mm. So um, what I enjoy about here at the university is that we're doing loads mm. but we keep seeing the cycle through and we keep seeing the next cycle through and things are building and I want to be part of that so bigger that, picture yeah it's part of the bigger picture again part of the bigger and what, picture. what other bits matters that, to me. that make you buoyant yeah what, what, where's the buoyancy because if you're only troubleshooting or yeah. you know then then you've got to find somewhere that that is um it, enjoying life and yeah. <laughs> enjoying the things that work if you yeah. you know if your whole job is working on the things that don't work then you need somewhere in your life to be looking at working with the things that do work or yeah you do i, I do engaging anyway. with the things that do work yeah context yeah, matters to me understanding yeah. why we're doing something understanding where we're going or what that bigger picture is always matters to me so you know a large part of my job is trying to work out where we're going to be in five years time or ten years time mm. um and a lot for me is about trying to make sure that we're focusing and working always on the how as well as the what mm. and I think that goes back to the burnout piece for mm. me and I can't obviously can't talk about others but for me it was when I'd lost sight of the how and was just focused on the treadmill of the what mm. what's next 
sorted that what's next what's sorted that what's next and all that just getting gradually depleted and that's the busyness isn't it that makes us do that that gives us such a kind of narrow focus and as though we've got to keep going and and even even when you finish your jobs for that day you could get ahead and start the jobs for the next day (laughs) we we push on through like that and then we we have when we're doing that we're 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 disconnecting with quite a lot about ourselves as well as those who are around us aren't we yeah i think so i mean I, i i know somebody who recently did the 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 catch to 5k mm. um thing and mm. and 12 months ago said person couldn't run for a minute mm. and was beating themselves up the other day because they did a slow 5k rather than what for them would be a faster 5k oh. and I'm, but again so i think it's really important when you do get something is to be able to look back mm. so i always I maintain on occasions that if i look back six months at where we've come from either as an HR function or as an organisation, then I can, you're looking and go, wow, that's amazing. We've done all of these things. That's wonderful. If you look mm. forward six months, then it's equally scary and exciting because you're back mm. to that adrenaline thing. Mm. But it's really, there's some, we're going to be doing some, if you look, look at it just in the six weeks either side of today, then it can be quite hard on occasions. Right. So I do think it's quite important to get your head up mm. and, and actually do to celebrate where we've come from, what we've achieved. Um, either as individuals mm. um, or as teams or as a university. Um, and I, I don't think we do enough of that, I think, because I do think you're right. We just look at what's the next task we've got to do. Mm. And I do think looking forward matters because that's how we get our context that says, so that's why we're doing what feels hard today. Yes, and, oh, that's a nice way and that, to put it. As yeah. a, a, whether that's as a, a, a student focused on the the piece of work that they're finding troublesome at the moment but looking forward and thinking but in another year or two years time that's my degree that's my I wanted that's going to take me a step further towards that Mm. or whether it's a team of people trying to change part of how we operate or you know I assume a a leading academic trying to invent the next big thing it's Mm. it's all having that context Mm. yeah that Mm. that didn't work but or that was really hard or crikey, that was a difficult meeting. Or mm. why are those two people biting chunks out of each other? But hang on, we're all trying to go because, there. Yeah, it's so, because it's difficult. You know, they're doing it because yeah. it's difficult. It's difficult for a reason. It might be a good reason yeah. why it's difficult, and allowing all of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's. Mm. I think it is mm. being able to feel part of something. Mm. Uh, and for me, it's important that I feel in control. Okay. I don't mean controlling every aspect of everything. But I think I one of the things, one of my major depleters is when I feel I can't influence something, a situation, mm-hmm. particularly if my team or or me are part of that situation. And that can get me quite angsty. Yeah. Well, if you, so that because that, that's a real disempowerment. If you're part yeah. of something but can't influence it, then that that is a position of disempowerment, isn't it? Which is not going to feel good. No. Yeah, no. And no. I think there are lots of situations and I think that's. And there are probably some that that around the university at the moment that we need to have a look at and think, could we be doing this in a different way? Could Is there a way of giving these people voice in this, or whatever it is, or mm. even down to an individual level? Mm. Um, do I, as an individual, feel that I've got what I need to be able to deliver this yeah. and yeah. and that's it's always easy to say well we, we just need more and it would always you know, be easy for me if I had a larger team or more revenue or whatever to deal with but that's not realistic because 
on all of these things and it's life itself i suppose you've it's finite demand and infinite sorry infinite demand and finite resource isn't it and i and i think it's just about recognizing that and then trying to tackle the things that are going to make a difference the things that matter i mean i i I, and you will be the same my inbox is never empty Mm. i've never satisfied every demand i possibly can but i have to be able to go home at the end of a day thinking we've stepped this forward Mm. or even that that was enough for today well that was enough today today. is full today today is full kind of replete (laughs) yes and tomorrow we'll come back and we'll have another look because if i spend too much time Mm. worrying constantly about the fact that the water's overflowing Mm. i that will deplete me Mm. Mm. and i assume others Mm. Mm -hmm. and so i mean the university and burnout so i when i think it's very common when people burn out that they don't know whether they're going to work again or they don't know whether they're going to go back to the same job and they reassess it's i mean one of the it might seem a funny way to put it one of the blessings of burnout i suppose is that you reevaluate everything (laughs) you are forced to stop um and sometimes you need to i mean it was a gp who told me i had to stop I was months into it by then and and I kept trying to work and I worked a lot from home and I kept trying to come into work but I couldn't make it and in the end she said you've just got to stop and I didn't want to stop because I was I was still trying to keep going and and I burst into tears and she said well your reaction shows me that you've got to stop <laughs> so she was right my husband was so glad <laughs> he almost popped open the champagne when I came home and said the doctor said I've got to stop um but but you don't know what you're going to do, do you, when you come out? If, if you're going, you don't know if you're going to come out of it. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know if you're going to go back to the same thing. You don't know whether you want to or not. You don't know whether you should just completely change everything about your life. So uh, for me, the university was brilliant because they gave me time. They, allowed, they gave me time to come back. I came back on a phased return. Like you, I didn't want or need wrapping in cotton wool or, or bubble wrap. Um, I think something I, I like to, to say to people um, is... Um, we could be very high functioning with with mental health difficulties. It doesn't mean we suddenly can't do things, you know. Um, and I was, I, I I had quite a lot of confidence about quite a lot of things, but there were some things I, I had to really refine, had to completely refine my confidence because confidence is something that that you can lose very quickly, yeah. can't you? Um, uh, so so in certain areas, I I needed to refine my confidence, but in a lot of the the things that I did as a, a regular basis with my job I I thankfully didn't I could just you know I could pick those up Um, but I did find the university really helpful and my line manager was very supportive through the whole process and so just you know just kind of as we wrap up really to to have your thoughts as a senior manager and as the, the, the director of HR and therefore somebody who needs to think about how the university handles the burnout of its staff I just wondered what you would like to say about that um I I agree with you. I think it was so at an individual level I think part of a way a manager can can help and this is really difficult because people may construe it wrongly and think that the the manager is actually trying to sort of ease them out of the organization but certainly in my case it wasn't because my boss was very good about that is what do you want come back to what are you thinking about are you coming back um was a question that she asked me now hers and my trust relationship was very well detailed at that point so i knew that she didn't have 
anything negative in that she was it was a genuine question um i personally did reevaluate i th i'm a different person as a result of what happened to me i think in some ways i'm a better person i'm certainly slightly more caring um that'll have people wincing um <laughs> although uh, than i used to be and i in some ways i'm more considerate in other ways i know that i have gained weaknesses i didn't have before that mm. yeah I'm, I'm slightly different i'm a different person mm. um and i had to accept that it worked for me for a while to go back to the same organization into the same team into the same job because there was the comfort there was the um safety net mm. and i think edinburgh university is good at that i think we do provide a safety net and mm. we've got fantastic flexible working terms and conditions compared with most of british industry and we have a lot of very caring well-meaning people i mean i certainly a lot of new starters when they're talking to me what they say is they can't believe how friendly and how helpful and supportive people are and i think that's true and i um so i, I think we have strengths there that we can continue to build on um i i had to come back as a lot of people did because at that point i was the main breadwinner mm. uh, my wife had given up work to bring up our child mm. and that there was a whole mortgage and there was all of those things so i needed that comfort mm. factor at least for a while mm. but i did get to the point where i did want to do something different and stretch and find something new um, and i it's very hard mm. but i would encourage people to to follow their instincts i think on that one mm. um and if you think that it's right to go and try something else then go and try something else mm. i think what i learned over the years through my career and through the burnout phase and through lots of other things is nothing's irrevocable mm. you can make a, a decision you can go and try if that doesn't work you can go and try something else i went and worked for myself for a few years and ran did that and in organisations when I was there, the feedback was very positive when I was doing it. But I wasn't really very good at business development. So after a while, I got to the point where I thought, actually, no, I do need to be in an organisation of something. I, I am one of those people that does need mm. uh, a salary, not the, the, the independent income piece mm. of a self-employed person. So I took a conscious decision to come back into mm. um, salaried life in that sense. So, but I, I, I think, so I think taking the opportunity to, to reconsider is a good thing. Mm. Um, trying it safe in the knowledge that you probably have sufficient strengths and skill sets built up over a number of years to go back or do something to move on again if the first thing that you, that you do doesn't work. Mm. So trust your strengths, mm. which we all have and underplay. We spend all our time trying to fix our weaknesses yeah. rather, than, rather than trying to build our strengths. And I think that hugely matters, is focusing mm. on what we are good at and what other people see in us as the reasons that they hired us or mm. want us in a part of a team or ask us to take on specific issues. And I think as an organisation or as a line manager, I think there is a combination of things that they can do is first thing is for a manager is you're not alone other managers have gone through this yeah. and other managers have provided support to people so you know without breaking confidences ask around mm. 
if you're not alone in the fact that we do have people like yourself, Harriet, we, and we have the counselling services and we have HR and we have all sorts mm. of other groups of people who can help you point you in the right direction for the, if you've not been through it recently and you need to have another look at how you help somebody in those situations. Because it's it can be difficult if you've not ever experienced it as a manager before, one of mm. your team yeah. suffering from burnout in front of you, or how do you manage that situation in, in amongst a wider team, all of whom's duty of care you're responsible for. Mm. Um, but also in amongst all of this, where, what my manager was very strong at, as I said before, was was helping me understand that, that in amongst this, the business had to be able to perform. Mm. The organisation had to keep be able to keep going. And therefore, I, I needed help to help myself mm. be part of that machine again. Mm. I don't like to talk of the university as a machine, but there is that part of a whole. Sense of it's, it's something that works. Something yeah, that works. Something that works. And if something's gone wrong, then it stops working. So yes. Yeah. Um, so I think there's something there. Mm. Um, and I think we need to, we've got pockets of really good practice right across the university on mental health now and a lot of really good stuff and it doesn't matter whether you look in any of the colleges or schools professional services areas it doesn't look at whether you look in the um well yourselves in the chaplaincy if you look at the counseling services if you look at the sports and exercise um the the work that that, that they're doing to support people right across the organization and we've got big white wall and we've got all the other um, mm. things on the website and we're trying to improve all of those and we'll continue to try and improve all of those those things I, the, the, the fundamental aha moment for me was when I realised that it wasn't a sign of weakness to ask for help but yeah. a sign of strength that's great yes. and I, that, that, was the, that was the point at which I started to become somebody different Mm. and somebody that that actually recognising people want to help me, recognising that I need to help and recognising that I had strengths and that that putting that mix together, but that to a certain extent I had to own that and that I had to reach out and say, help, I need help here, was really, really important to me because it gave me agency again. Yeah. What a good way. Yeah, so... so, so, um Recognising reality, accepting it, and then in that, discovering your agency. Yeah. That's really powerful. And um, I want to give a shout-out. Thanks so much for saying that about the chaps. My colleagues were absolutely fantastic and had to keep going for ages when I wasn't well. <laughs> and they, they were... So I want to say that, you know, they were they were brilliant, and I thank them from the bottom of my heart. So we've got a great team here, haven't we? You know, the Edinburgh staff, do people doing their best and... Yeah, supporting one another. I, th- I think um, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely yeah. right, and I think we completely undersell it. I think yeah. there is a, it doesn't matter, on a whole range of fronts, but I think mm. it's a, it really is a fantastic place. Obviously, there are things we can improve, and we will continue to do that. But it, it is a great place, full of well-meaning people trying mm. to contribute on an individual and a societal level, mm. and I think that's a virtue and a set of strengths that we all need to hold into um, because I think that will help us all as individuals and as a community be really successful in the next five ten years and that that matters to me really matters yeah and be strong together yes yeah thanks so much james really really helpful conversation thank you i really enjoyed that thank you good (laughs) if any of the issues in this broadcast have affected you 
and you'd like support, here are some helplines. First, if you feel that you or someone you are with is in danger right now, please call 999. There is a mental health assessment service for those in or near Edinburgh, which can be contacted on 0131 537 6000. For phone consultations, there is also Breathing Space, which can be contacted on 0800 838587. The Samaritans, 08457-909090. The Edinburgh Crisis Centre, you can telephone and you can also visit physically. Their number is 0808-801-0414. For university support, Nightline offers student support and information. Their number is 0131 557 The University Staff or Student Counselling Services and the University Listening Service offer daytime and some evening support and we can both be found on the University website.